I hope everybody's doing well today, and uh, we are going to con- be continuing on in our Roman series, we're going to be finishing chapter one today, okay? So last week we heard about bad news, that God's judgment is coming on all the unrighteousness of mankind, and this week there's more bad news, okay? So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> there's more bad news, and before we get into the bad news, there's a few pieces of good news that... I'm going to try to cheer us up a little bit before we dive into the bad news, okay? So first piece of good news is that it is another February Sunday where it's going to be above 50 degrees, okay? So that's good news, right? All right? Yeah, that's great. All right, other good news is um, the fire that happened on the east end of town last night. Um, I don't think anybody got hurt as far as I know. Um, So that's good news too, right? All right, so I think the Newtons live really close to there and Linda, um, family that lives really close to there and I think they're okay. So that's good news. That was kind of crazy. Um, I saw that firsthand last night. Some of you probably did as well. And then the last piece of good news is that the Weezes are back, okay? So <laughs> we got them with us today, and that's great. <laughs> so that's the good news, and we're going to be diving into some bad news in our text, but we're going to see that God never leaves us just with the bad news because he's that great. So beginning with the necessary bad news, part two, here we go. Um, I'm going to summarize our passage today like this, and this is my sermon title, We're All in Denial. We are all in denial. Apart from God's gracious and saving work in our lives, all of mankind lives in a constant state of denial. We're in denial about who God is, we're in denial about who we are, and we're in denial about what life is all about. So here's a definition um, to start off our time. I took this off of MiriamWebster.com, a definition of denial. It says, the refusal to admit the truth or reality of something. The refusal to admit the truth or the reality of something. So some of you are probably thinking, I know a lot of people who are in denial right now, and maybe your spouse, I don't know. (laughs) Second definition, the refusal to acknowledge a person or a thing, all right? So the refusal to acknowledge a person or a thing, that's the second definition. So it's a disavowal, it's a rejection of someone or something. And this is what the whole human race has done towards God. We have rejected him by refusing to acknowledge him. This is exactly what we learned about last week, and now we're going to see that a denial of God has led the human race into every kind of dishonorable sin and evil. That's what we're going to see today. If we reject God, it leads us into all kinds of chaos. So our passage today, it's a passage that um, I really think uh, when you see it, if if you're not familiar with it, maybe you did the reading plan, maybe you read this passage before, maybe you never have, but what stands out to me is this summer, I was reading this passage with a, a young man who I'm, I've been kind of pouring into. He's kind of newer in the faith. And we read Romans 1, 18 through 32. And he, he kind of had this light bulb moment where he basically told me and said, I knew the world was messed up, but I didn't know why the world was messed up. And I knew there were certain things that were wrong, but I didn't necessarily know why they were wrong. But now I know why they're wrong. And now I know why it is the way it is, because it's right here in God's word. It's right here in Romans chapter one. So with that same spirit, um, I want to pray before we start our time today, because there's a lot of sensitive matter uh, that we're going to be talking about. Um, so I'm going to be talking about uh, sexuality today, um, because God's Word is talking about sexuality. And I'm going to be talking about, um, a, a big portion is going to be the topic of homosexuality. And I'm going to be talking about LGBTQ plus stuff. I'm going to be talking about heterosexual sins, things that everybody struggles with, and things are going in our society today, things that we would all be in if it wasn't for God's grace. And so this is really sensitive, and just as a disclaimer here, here at Harmony Bible Church, every single person is welcome at this church. But 
we are going to just keep going back to God's word and try to be conformed to this word right here. And that's the good news, is that the truth sets us free, but any single person is welcome in this place. But every single week, we're going to be preaching on this word. He's going to call us in continued conformity to God's word and, uh, and to himself. And I think there's two pitfalls we can fall in with this. It's one is avoidance. Um, the church has taken this stance in the past of, we're just, we don't agree with this lifestyle of other people, so we're just going to avoid them. And it's, uh, it's kind of weird. I don't know how to deal with it. I'm just going to stay away. That's not the right response. But then there's this also, this, there's this response of just acceptance, and we're just going to take it hook, line, and sinker. Whatever somebody wants to do, they can do it. Who cares? God's loving. But what we see, and I, I just think there's this great balance, and there's this perfection that we see in Christ, where Jesus in the Gospels, he hangs out with sinners. It says that he's a friend of sinners, okay? Not just like an acquaintance, but their friend. But then he doesn't leave them there. He calls them into fellowship with himself and to what God's word would have for them, into the truth. And people never stay where they're at when Jesus befriends them. And so I just hope we can take that posture today. It's not avoidance, it's not acceptance, it's patience, and it's just constantly speaking the truth in love. It's grace and truth, and that's what Jesus is full of. So would you just help me pray? Um, as, we'll just pray together to start off our time today. Father in heaven, we just thank you that uh, your word is perfect, and Lord, uh, what it has to say for us is what we need uh, today. And God, we just say that we love you and that we know that your decrees, um, Lord, are good, and they're for our good, and they're for our flourishing. And Lord, also just help us see today, God, that none of us have fulfilled what your word would desire, um, what you've called us to on our own. We can't. We've miserably failed. And it's only by your grace um, that we have even been drawn to you and we look to you and we've been given your spirit. And uh, Lord, that's how, that's how we obey. And so Lord, just give us a posture where we are just patient with one another and we're patient with our friends and our neighbors and our colleagues and our family members and um Lord, this is not something uh, that we're going to take lightly, um, and uh, Lord, because we know you don't. And so, Lord, I just pray that you use my words and my preparation today of your word, and it would be useful to our congregation. And uh, Lord, thank you that your word is powerful and uh, that your spirit's among us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're not there already, turn with me in your Bibles and journals to Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, and this is on page 20 in your journal. So if you have a journal, it's on page 20. But before we dive into verses 26 to 32, it is going to help us greatly to recap a few verses, uh, previous verses from last week. So if you wouldn't mind flipping back with me to verse 22 in chapter 1, I'm going to start reading there, starting in verse 22. Romans 1, 22. It says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. So this is what all people have done since the beginning of time, including all of us. We've claimed to be wise, but yet we've become fools. Verse 23, in exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And we're going to stop there for a second. If you remember from last week, the sermon was all about we've traded the glory of the immortal God for idols. So here is what God has done in response. Verse 30, excuse me, verse 24, therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Now, this is going to be really important going forward, so I want everybody in your journals, or if you have a Bible, underline the, the term, the dishonoring of their bodies. Put a box around that or underline it, the dishonoring of their bodies. We're going to be coming back to that towards the end of our sermon. In verse 25, because 
they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So here's the premise of everything we just read and we learned about last week. All of mankind has exchanged the truth for a lie and mainly, this is what it comes down to, we have worshiped um, idols and not the living God. So we've exchanged the worship of God for idols and just so uh, we're all on the same page today, an idol is anything that we love more than God. Anything we love more than God, anything that captures our affections, motivates us more than God, anything that is in God's place. So this can be a person, this can be an experience, this can be a possession, it can be anything. And to put it another way, where do we go and what do we do to accumulate power and pleasure and purpose in our life? Okay, so no one wants to feel weak. We want to feel like we are in control, that we have power. No one wants to be unhappy and miserable. We want to have joy. We want to have happiness. We want to have pleasure. No one wants to feel lost without significance in their life. We want to have purpose in our life, right? So everybody wants these things. Where do you go to get these things? Where do you go to get these things? And wherever those places are, if you think about it, like where do I go, what do I do so that I can have power and pleasure and purpose in my life, there's unquestionably an idol standing there, whether it's figuratively or literally, I don't know. But that's what, we, that's what an idol is. It's something we're going to to find our significance, something we love more than God. We're trying to find power, pleasure, and, and purpose. And here's the thing about idols. Not worshiping God and worshiping idols instead, it always leads to moral chaos in our life. It leads to the opposite of doing God's plan and design. And we, when we run after these idols, the end result is always, it's always, always, always a distortion of who we truly are and who God truly made us to be. And yet, this is where we find ourselves. This is where all of us find ourselves apart from God. We're in denial. We've traded the truth about God for a lie. And we've chosen to pursue power and pleasure and purpose in the things that God has made rather than in God himself. And just real quick, power and pleasure and purpose, those are not bad things. God made us to desire those things and to have those things, but he made us to have those things ultimately in him. He is the end goal, not all the, all the things that he has created, the things that we make in idols in replace of God. So now with that being said, let's finally dig into our main passage starting in verse 26. So that's on page 20 of the journals. Because of people's denial of God, people are bent towards that which is contrary to God's design and God's purpose. And here's what verse 26 starts off with saying. For this reason, the reason we just got done talking about, everyone's traded God for idols. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged, and there's that word again, exchanged, they exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And just when you might be thinking to yourself, is this saying what I think it's saying? Verse 27 is going to clarify any doubts that we have. Verse 27, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameful acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Now, Verses 26 to 27 are uncontestably referring to a lifestyle of homosexuality. Choosing to be sexually active with someone of the same sex rather than someone with the opposite sex. And our text from God's word says that this exchange of heterosexual for homosexual relations is three different things. If you look back down at the text, it says it's dishonorable, 
It says it's contrary to nature, and it says it's shameful. But here's the question that we need to be clear on today, and this is really important. Why is homosexuality described in these three ways? Is it, is it described in these three ways because it makes conservative people feel uncomfortable? Like, oh, like, I don't really like that. It kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, that, that's, I don't really want anything to do with that. Is that why it's wrong? That, that's not why it's wrong. Is it because God, he has just singled out gay people and he just hates them more than anybody else? No, that's certainly not true. That, that is what radical groups like the Westboro Baptist Church do, which they're not really a church. They're just this crazy hate group that pick it with these signs that say God hates people. And um, that's not what this is about. That's not why homosexuality is wrong, um, because God hates gay people more than anybody else. No, the reason the Bible describes homosexuality in these three ways is it's so much more objective than that. Homosexuality is wrong, according to our passage, because it's out of step with the truth. It's out of step with God's truth. And whenever we exchange the truth for a lie, we end up outside of God's good design for us. And that's what's going on here. We, need, uh, we end up outside of God's plan for our ultimate good and our ultimate flourishing. And this is huge. Um, God wants us to flourish. God has this plan for us. He has designed us in a certain way and he wants us to flourish. He wants us to thrive. And God does not prohibit things because he's mad at us. God prohibits things because he loves us and he has a good design and a good purpose for things. So um, his ways are always better than our ways. And looking back at the first two chapters of the Bible, you can see that, that God has this perfect design for man, for woman, for sex, and for marriage. So if you go back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2, the very first books in the Bible, God has created everything. He has called it all good. It is before sin has entered into the world and he makes man and he makes woman and you see sexuality, you see that man and woman come together uh, in intimacy, but it's within this blessed covenant of marriage. And so we see that from the very beginning of time that God has this wonderful, amazing purpose for the male gender. God has this wonderful, amazing purpose for the female gender. And he has this wonderful purpose for sex. And he has this wonderful purpose for sex to happen within a marriage between one man and one woman. And that's what the Bible teaches. So, just when you might think, be thinking to yourself, okay, I feel like this is kind of a hot topic, homosexuality in our day and age. Well, think again, okay? So remember the name of our letter. This is called Romans. The letter to the Christians that are in Rome, all right? So when you think about Rome 2,000 years ago, this is the center of the ancient world. That's where the Colosseum was at. It's where Greek culture was adopted into Roman culture, and it was where hedonism, pleasure, was king. Okay, pleasure was king, and it, and in this day and age, in Rome, there was all kinds of erotic pleasures that were indulged in by the people that day. Okay, and so if you think that our world is progressive and gluttons for pleasure, well, wait just until you hear a few of the things I'm about ready to say. Okay, I'm going to quote um, from Tim Challies. Uh, he's a Christian author and writer, and he wrote this uh, article. You can find it online, but this is an excerpt of the extreme sex indulgences that took place in ancient Rome during Paul's day, okay? This is what people were doing in Rome and other places of the world, especially for men. So here I go, quote, a real man dominated in the bedroom as he did on the battlefield. He would have sex with his slaves, whether they were male or female. He would visit prostitutes. He would have homosexual encounters even while married. He would engage in pedophilia 
Even rape was generally accepted as long as he only raped people of a lower status. The Romans did not think of people as being oriented toward homosexuality or heterosexuality. Rather, they understood that a respectable man would express his dominance by having sex, consensual or forced, with men, women, and even children at times. End quote. All right. So I apologize for this very graphic and bewildering quote. All right. It's intense. But the reason I read this is because this kind of stuff really happened. This kind of stuff really happened. It was normal. And it's important for us to know what took place in the past and for us, in order for us to interpret the present, isn't it? Because just like King Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. That's what King Solomon says in Ecclesiastes. And that is true for any kind of sin, and it's certainly true for any sort of sexual sin. And it doesn't take a professional sociologist to realize that our current culture and society is changing at a rapid pace when it comes to sexuality. And I'm not just talking about LGBTQIA ideology. I'm talking about every kind of sexual distortion and sin that you can possibly think of, okay? So we're talking about all sorts of sins that all people struggle with throughout time that we would struggle with in this room today, we have struggled with in this room today. Okay, so we're talking about adultery, talking about swinging, prostitution, pornography, masturbation, sex before and or outside of marriage, sexual fantasizing and lust in our minds, all of it. It's all wrong, and according to our passage, it's all a lie. It's all a lie. It's not the truth. And so this is what happens when we deny God and his plan and his good design for us. And that's exactly what our passage tells us. So look back down at your text, verse 28. Look what verse 28 says. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, there it is, they're in denial. All, all of us are in denial. God gave them up to a debased mind, a debased mind. All right, I want you to underline a debased mind. Um, it says to do what ought not to be done. Okay, so a debased mind here means a defective mind. It's, um, it hasn't passed the quality control test so to speak, right? It hasn't made it past Q QC. It's not the way it's supposed to be, and therefore it leads us to do what ought not to be done. That's what has happened. Uh, we've all, we have not seen it fit to acknowledge God, and so God has given us up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And we talked about this last week, but our mind is the control center of who we are. And it's from our mind and our heart is from which every action and word comes out. And this debased, defective mind that all people apart from Christ have, it not only leads us into the deep end of sexual sin, it leads us into the deep end of every other kind of sin underneath the sun. That's what happens. So verses 29 to 31 tell us this. Here's what, here's what a debased mind does. It says, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. Okay, real quick. Back to 29. They were filled, okay? In the Greek, filled means filled, all right? They were filled with all this stuff, okay? They were full of it. They couldn't have any more of it. They were filled with all manners of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, they are full of, um, excuse me, I'm going to keep going here, lost my place. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, 
foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Now, this is a long list of sinful attitudes and actions that shows that everyone everywhere is clawing for power. We want power, we want pleasure, we want purpose, and we will not stop until we get it. It, In other words, it's basically saying, I'm not going to stop until I get what I want, even if it means I have to be heartless, ruthless, slander, and murder to get it, figuratively or literally. That's what this passage is saying. If we have exchanged God for a lie, the worship of God for idols, this list is going to describe us. Our life is going to be characterized by the things on this list. Maybe a few, maybe all, I don't know. And even if we must uh, do all these things in order to get this, this is what a defective mind does in real time. And it's because, what? It's because we're all in denial and we don't change and it's just this perpetual state of moral chaos over and over and over again, apart from God intervening. Now, let's look at verse 32. This is our last verse. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Now, this is really interesting. This verse, it's not just talking about Jews. It's not just talking about Christians. It's talking about all people. People who don't believe in God, it says, people who don't believe in God. It says they know God's righteous decree and that those who break those decrees deserve to die. That's what it says. And so think of it this way. It's like a little kid who does something that they know to be wrong and they know they're going to get in trouble, but yet they persist and they do it anyways. Okay. Anybody know any little kids like that? All right. I've got a few of those kids. All right. So they know it's wrong They know there's a consequence for it, yet they do it anyway. Okay, does that sound familiar? All right, adults do that. And uh, this is is what this verse 32 shows us. And all through, uh, from uh, verse 18 all the way through 32 here, people, people are not innocent. People are not ignorant. They know exactly what's going on. All people, they know deep down that what they've decided to do is wrong and that they were made for something different. Everybody knows that. But they don't know what that purpose is. They don't know what that is that they were made for. And yet, here's what happens. They're just stuck in their ways because they don't know the truth. They know something's off, but they don't know what it is. And so they're just stuck in their ways and they can do no other. This is just this perpetual state of disobedience towards God and his ways. And it's like the Bible, here's how the Bible describes this. There's other places in the Bible that would say, This is what all people are apart from God. They're spiritually dead. That's what people are apart from God. They're in this cycle of being spiritually dead. So here we are at the end of the bad news, part two. Okay, we made it through verse 32. All people have traded the glory of the immortal God for idol worship. All people have. And that idol worship has led us into all sorts of dishonorable passions and unmoral actions. And even though we know that what we're doing is wrong and that we're deserving of death, We persist in our wrongdoing and give approval to others about their wrongdoing as well. 